Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you here this morning. We are glad that you are here. Our lesson for today continues a series that we began a couple of weeks ago on overcoming life's challenges. And uh, I also told you, and you still have the opportunity to give me some ideas, some challenges that, that you may face as a Christian, something that you think might be sermon worthy, something that you'd be interested in studying. Uh, I would invite, invite anything that you have to give me in that regard. But as we get into the third lesson in our series, today's lesson is again about overcoming temptation. There are various temptations that we are faced with, and last week we talked about riches and the temptations of riches and wealth and how we don't even have to be rich to be tempted by such. Today's lesson is overcoming the temptation of pleasure. Overcoming the temptation of pleasure. Now as we, we look at this lesson, I think we often have the idea that pleasure and happiness are the same thing. That we're pursuing the same thing either way. But they are very different in definition and especially as we look at Christianity and how that works, we understand that they are different in that regard as well. Is there a difference between these words, pleasure and happiness? And if so, what is it? Happiness. Happiness, defined, is the state of being happy. We want to be happy in life, and so we pursue this idea of happiness. And if you look it up in a def as far as a dictionary, you'll find that it is synonymous with pleasure. But pleasure defined has a, a different meaning altogether. A feeling of happy satisfaction or enjoyment. And the way that, that Merriam-Webster presents it, it as a verb, it, it is a transitive verb which means to give pleasure to, to gratify. Uh, another definition to give sexual pleasure to. Intransitive, to take pleasure. Delight, to seek pleasure. The words associated with each are, are a little different and so are the thoughts behind them. While those seeking pleasure may also be seeking happiness, the same may not be said of those seeking happiness. Those primarily seeking happiness understand the difference between happiness and pleasure. And one of the key differences here between these two words as far as Christianity is concerned, pleasure in this life is temporary. Whenever we seek pleasure, we're seeking something that will only last for a period of time. But it doesn't continue. Its reward does not last. And those seeking happiness will find it in God's pleasure rather than man's. And the rewards of seeking happiness, true happiness, are of an eternal nature rather than the pleasure 
of life that only lasts for a lifetime, maybe. Our lesson objectives are to learn what true happiness is and how to achieve it. We want to know what true happiness is. And secondly, to avoid the pitfalls of temporary pleasure, overcoming its temptation in this life. And not all pleasure is bad. So let's look at, at when man's pleasure is God's pleasure. And when we, we find ourselves in God's pleasure. First of all, look at some of the things that bring God pleasure. Uprightness. 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 17. The prosperity of His servants. Psalm 35 and verse 27. Those who fear Him. Psalm 147 and verse 10. God's people ultimately bring Him pleasure. Psalm 149 and verse 4. Giving us the kingdom. Luke 12 and verse 32 and also Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. And when we obey Him, we bring Him pleasure. Philippians 2 and verse 13. Let's look at some things that do not bring God pleasure. The wickedness of man. Psalm 5 and verse 4. And the death of the wicked. Ezekiel 18 and verse 23. And also Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. Ezekiel 18 and verse 23 says this. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live. I remember some years ago now, um, but I remember reading an article, Steve Higginbotham was the author of that article, and it was sometime after the death of Osama bin Laden, and of course whenever he was killed there were many who celebrated his death. And I believe that this scripture may have been uh, one of the ones that, one of the key verses that the article was founded upon. But the thought that he had was that God is not happy with the death of the wicked, just as is stated here. He would much rather him live and have opportunity to repent than to die. Now there are some things that, that the death penalty is offered for. And I'm not saying that the death penalty is not something that is necessary. I do believe that it is necessary at times. But God doesn't take pleasure in the necessary death of an individual of any kind. And especially those who are wicked. But He would rather give them the opportunity to repent and to live if that is possible. Let's look at, at man's pleasure with God's approval. There are certain things that bring us pleasure in this life that God approves of. When we take pleasure 
in our families, God approves. Just looking at the husband-wife relationship, as God is man's creator, He is also the creator of the family. And it does begin with marriage. We go back to Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 15. Genesis 2 and verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat it. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Sometimes we may pass over that last verse, verse 25, maybe because we are ashamed of it. But there is no shame in the marriage relationship. And what reason could they have for shame when God had placed them before one another in this way? This is how God intended it to be. They were in the, the perfect Garden of Eden. Man had been given dominion over the animals, but could not find a helper comparable to him and so God created Eve. She, he created woman for man. And man is meant to find pleasure in his wife and vice versa. Genesis 18 and verse 12 Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying After I have grown old shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also. But it was to be the case, and it was the case. And she conceived, and she bore a child, Isaac, even in her old age. See, marriage is a union that is blessed by God, and God approves when such pleasure is found in a spouse. And when we find pleasure in our children, God approves. Children are a blessing from God. It should always be, be seen as so. We have a duty to, to children, and sometimes they may try our patience. Now, I don't know this 
from a personal standpoint as far as my own children. But I do know it from, as far as preschool children, they try my patience. I'm so glad that I can give them back to parents at the end of the day sometimes. But children are a reward. They are a blessing from God. And God approves when we, we take pleasure in our children. When we find pleasure in the blessings of God in this life, He approves. Acts 17 and verse 25, Nor is He worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything since He gives to all life, breath, and all things. When we take pleasure in these gifts of God, in the things that, that life has to offer, God approves. When we restrain ourselves from evil, God approves. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses 8 through 12. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to, to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now God wants us to seek the blessings that life has to offer, but we can only seek them through him, which means that we must avoid the temptations of evil that may stand before us. And when we avoid these temptations, we can enjoy the blessings of what God has intended for us to enjoy. And we may even find pleasure in our suffering for Christ's sake. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 10. And so we may find pleasure. Maybe not the kind of pleasure that we may desire. But we find pleasure in knowing that we are doing the will of God. But let's also notice when man's pleasure is not God's pleasure. When man's pleasure is not God's pleasure. Moses recognized the difference between pleasure and happiness and knew that pleasure in this life was fleeting. It was but for a moment. In Hebrews 11 and beginning with verse 24, Hebrews 11 and verse 24 by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Uh, some of the older translations, I believe the King James says, uh, the pleasures of sin for a season. 
but, but same meaning here. The passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He wasn't looking to an earthly reward. He wasn't looking for earthly riches. He wasn't looking for fame and all of that. He was looking for God. He was looking for God's reward. For something greater than anything else that could be enjoyed in this life. But he chose not the passing pleasures of sin. Because he knew they were temporary. But he chose treasures of heaven instead. Looking for the reward that God would give him. There are many who believe pleasure to be the highest good and seek such pleasure in all they do. If it feels good, do it. You ever heard that before? Is there pleasure in sin? Is there pleasure in sin? I would suggest to you that yes, there is pleasure to be found in sin. Pornography, adultery, stealing, lying and especially getting away with it, cursing an enemy, the high of drugs and alcohol. and We could continue that list on for a while. If there were not some kind of enjoyment in them, man would not participate in them. Many may, may believe that these are, are not harmful. Or maybe they're, they're just not harmful for, for others. Maybe they, they bring me pleasure, but, but no one else is going to be affected. But their pleasures, the pleasures that, that they seek, only lead to pain and sorrow in the end. Oh, you may get a, a temporary high. You may, may, may enjoy something for the moment. But pain and sorrow is their end when we face the consequences of our actions. Adultery, for instance, destroys families. Oh, there's, there's pleasure. There's fun in it to some degree. But eventually the sin is realized by others. Marriages are destroyed. Families are, are torn apart. And you can't tell me that children aren't affected by things like that because I see it every day. Lies hurt people. They hurt friends. doesn't matter whether you get away with this lie or not. Eventually, someone is going to realize. And when they realize that they have been lied to, that's certainly not the best feeling in the world, is it? Even the things that, that do seem to only affect me, with no regard for those who love me, harm my physical body, they harm my mind, they harm my spirit when I continue in them. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 9. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 9. <clears throat> the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. 
with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, or all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And verse 11, And for this reason God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Those who believe that, that sin has no consequences, those who believe that, that it's only about pleasure and, and happiness, it's not. They are deceived by the lie. And that's exactly what Satan wants. Sin may bring pleasure for a time, but again it leads to destruction in the end. Galatians chapter 5 Verses 19 through 21. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, <clears throat> revelries. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All of these sins, this whole list of, of sins that is made in Galatians chapter 5, these things bring pleasure for a period of time. But ultimately, we find the consequence that those who practice such things, that those who continue in such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And what about innocent pleasure? And is there such a thing? You know, there are, are certain things that we may see as innocent, but... In the end, we find them to be sins against God. Anything that would turn our hearts and minds away from God, no matter how innocent it may be, may bring pleasure, if only temporary. But it does not bring the pleasure of God. Any of you love to travel? I, I like going to different places. I like visiting different places. And maybe you feel the same way. And, and there are some people that, that indulge in this pleasure to the point that they have little connection, if any, to the church or God. And, and when we would let the, the pleasure of, of travel and going to different places all the time, whenever we let that get in the way of our duties to God and to His church, we have allowed this to come between us and God. And as innocent as, as travel may be, we see only temporary pleasure 
Some people work all the time, constantly trying to provide for their families. And it may be different whenever families are truly in need of such. But there are some who work just for the sake of working. They find pleasure and in, in maybe the gain of money, but they have little time for God or their family. Does God find pleasure in, in such duty? It, does He find pleasure in such activity? God wants us to be mindful of our families. And He wants us to be mindful of Him. And when work comes between us and God, when we choose work over worship or, or something of that nature, as innocent as it may be, or as innocent as it may seem, we see that there is a sin involved. Neglect of God. Neglect of family. For parents with teens involved in sports and music and theater and all kinds of different activities, though there is nothing inherently wrong with, with teens being involved with school activities when their relationship with God and His church suffers, then it becomes a problem. When parents fail to teach their children the importance of serving Christ, that's a problem. As innocent as these activities may be, when they come between our relationship with God, and especially in regard to the children involved, when they are, are not taught properly Christianity and the ways of God, when we look at these things, we see that the souls of the children in question are now placed in spiritual jeopardy. It's important that we teach them right from wrong. It's important that we teach them, teach them the importance of serving God. All of these things in and of themselves are not wrong necessarily. But oftentimes we place them before God and then they become sin. Pleasure becomes wrong when we live for it. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 6. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. When we live for pleasure, and only living for pleasure, that's all we, we seek in life, that's our, our main priority, that is our goal. Even though we may live, we may be, be wide awake and, and breathing and experiencing life. But, but even so, we are dead. How is that the case? Spiritually, we are dead. We have sold ourselves to pleasure. Pleasure becomes wrong when we love it too much. When we love it too much. Proverbs 21 and verse 17. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. When we love pleasure, 
it becomes sin. The pleasure does not last. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 beginning with verse 1. Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 1. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure. Be sure, but surely this also was vanity. Verse 2. I said of laughter, Madness and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my spirit, my heart, from any pleasure. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done. And on the labor in which I had toiled. I indeed, and indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. As we believe Solomon to have written this, we see that, that he had done many great things. He had acquired many great riches. But after looking back on all of these things that he took pleasure in, in life, what did he say about it? Indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. That was his life. That had become his life's goal. And, and looking back he realized that there was no profit whatsoever in all of these things. Pleasure. Pleasure to gain, but eternity to lose when we follow such. Pleasure is wrong when, it, when we make it our life's goal. I want to close with the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 23. Luke 9 and verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up His cross daily and follow Me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Often we seek for self. What can I gain for me? What can I do for me? And the world would say, whatever brings you pleasure, do it. Just do it. It's good for you. But when we seek self, we will eventually find that there is little profit in such. There is little profit in this life. But there is godly gain for those who seek God's pleasure instead. And when we seek God's pleasure instead of our own, when we seek His will instead of our own, we find true happiness. True happiness in His service. True happiness ultimately in eternity. What gain is it if we, we gain all the riches and all the pleasures that we could afford in this life? What good is it What good is it if we lose our soul in the process? I encourage you with the very words of Jesus. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Are you a Christian? Have you obeyed the gospel? Are you a faithful child of God? Is there something that you need to take care of in your life to make you at one with Christ? Take up your cross. Take up your cross and follow Him. All the days of your life. If we can help you in any way, we give you the opportunity to respond. As together we stand as we sing.